What's going on, guys? And welcome back to the greatest podcast of all, Unknown Serial Killers. Thank you guys for joining me on this roller coaster of a journey and uncovering these crazy serial killers. Because that's what we're here for, obviously. If you missed any of the episodes in any of the seasons one through four, please go back and take a listen because I guarantee you'll love it here. Of course, viewer's discretion is advised because we are definitely talking about some murder and violence and some possible drug use. This week, we are uncovering the story of the definition of an unknown serial killer. This is the Oakland County child killer. Obviously, I say that because he was unknown. Nobody knew who he was. He is also known as the babysitter killer or the babysitter. From what I've read and research that I've done, he's not somebody I want to do with my kids. But let's get into it. Between February 15th, 1976 and March 16th, 1977, two boys and two girls aged between 10 and 12 years old went missing outside their home en route to or from another location in Oakland County, Michigan, north of Detroit. Each child's body was discovered in a public area within 19 days of his or her disappearance. The children were all either strangled or shot with the two boys having been sexually abused. The four deaths triggered a murder investigation which at the time was the largest in U.S. history. With Detroit's two daily newspapers as well as the area's numerous radio and television stations covering the case. So right now we're going to listen or talk about the, the four kids that were murdered. Mark Stevens, 12 of Ferndale, did not return home from the American Legion Hall on February 15, 1976. His body was found four days later wearing the same clothes he was last seen in, laying on a pile of wood and dirt in the parking lot of a local office building in Southfield. He had been strangled and sexually abused with a foreign object and had two lacerations to the left rear of his head. Rope marks were evident on both his wrists and ankles indicating he had been found during his captivity. Jill Robinson, 12, of Royal Oak, left her home on December 22, 1976, following an argument with her mom over dinner preparations. The following day, her bicycle was found behind a local hobby store before her body was found alongside Interstate 75 in Troy, within view of Troy Police Station on the morning of December 26. She had been shot in the face with a 12-gauge shotgun, and her body was fully clothed and wearing the backpack she had taken with her when she left home. Christine Ten of Berkeley was reported missing on January 2nd, 1977 after she failed to return home from a 7-Eleven store on 12 Mile Road at Oakshire. A mail carrier found her fully clothed body 19 days later on the side of a rural road in Franklin Village. She had been smothered to death less than 24 hours earlier and her body lay within view of nearby homes. Timothy King, 11, left his home in Birmingham and went to a pharmacy on the evening of March 16, 1977. After he failed to return home, an intensive search recovering the entire Detroit metropolitan area was conducted before his body was found on the evening of March 22nd 
by two teenagers in a shallow, shallow ditch alongside Gill Road. He had been sexually assaulted with a foreign object and suffocated approximately six hours earlier. So whoever did this left the bodies in plain sight and maybe wanted the bodies to be found, but not too much, but just to be noticed. There were other abductions and murders around the Oakland County area within the same period. These are not specifically tied to the four victims above due to variations in cases. Cynthia, 16, of Roseville was found bludgeoned to death on January 16, 1976 in Bloomfield Township. Jane Allen, 14, was found dead in a river in Miamiburg, Ohio on August 11, 1976, four days after she accepted a ride while hitchhiking in Royal Oak. She had died from carbon monoxide poisoning. <sighs> the thing is, here's my thing. The thing is, you know, these parents let their kids, you know, do do little errands and go to the store and things like that, but it's not safe. Even back then, it wasn't safe. And it's still not safe. And it just goes to show you that nothing in this world is safe for a child or even a person of age to do. Shelly Sheroke, 14, was raped and shot dead while babysitting in Birmingham on January 20th, 1976. Her killer, Oliver Rhodes Andrew, had burglarized seven homes in the neighborhood earlier that evening and a neighbor was a witness while snow shoveling his roof. Andrews was sentenced to life in prison. After the discovery of the bodies, authorities noticed similarities shared by her case and those of Stevens and Robinson's and reported reports were released warning the public that a serial killer was possibly operating in the Oakland County area. The Michigan State Police led a group of law enforcement officials from 13 communities in the formation of a task force devoted solely to the investigation into the killing of the three children. After King disappeared, a woman told authorities that she had seen a boy with a skateboard like King talking to a man in the parking lot of the pharmacy that he visited on March 16, 1977. A composite drawing of the suspect kidnapper and his blue AM, AMC gremlin was released and authorities questioned every gremlin owner in Oakland County. Investigators created a profile based on witnesses' descriptions of the man seen taking, talking to King, a white man aged between 25 and 35 with a dark complexion shaggy hair and sideburns who had a job that gave him freedom of movement and made him appear trustworthy to children, was familiar with the area and could keep children kept for a long period of time without losing neighbor's suspicion. The task force checked more than 18,000 tips, which resulted in about two dozen arrests on unrelated charges and the discovery of a multi-state child pornography ring operating on North Fox Island in Lake Michigan. The task force was unable to make much headway in the investigation disbanding in December 1978 with the investigation being turned over to the state police. After A few weeks after King's murder, a psychiatrist who worked with the task force received a letter riddled with spelling errors written by an anonymous author in quote, Allen, claimed to be a slave of the killer, Frank. Allen wrote that they had been served in the Vietnam War, that Frank was traumatized by having killed children, and that Frank 
have taken revenge on more affluent citizens such as the residents of Birmingham for sending forces to Vietnam. Allen expressed fear and remorse in his letter saying he was losing his sanity and was endangered in suicidal and admitting to having accompanied Frank as the latter's start voice to kill. He instructed the psychiatrist to respond by printing the cold words Weather Bureau says trees to bloom in three weeks in that Sunday's edition of the Detroit Free Press before offering to provide a photographic evidence in exchange of immunity for prosecution. The psychiatrist arranged to meet Allen at a bar, but Allen did not show up and was never heard from again. So, that's a little strange, don't you think? It's just really weird. Hmm. I don't know. That's just ridiculous. Police reports obtained by Barry King included new revelations, including DNA testing of new suspects and the bloodstained ligatures and sketch from Butch's apartment. Catherine Broad, King's sister, complied in archives of investigation materials at the case group. Upon researching the case, Frankers, the King family produced a documentary entitled Decades of Deceit, which condemns the police and prosecutors for alleged investigation and uncooperative communication, and in particular, of disregarded leads the family discovered in 2006. Funds generated from the sale of the documentary were donated to Tim King Fund, designated to help abuse children and support activities from Birmingham children. So, seems to me they might have found a guy, but it's not it's not really clear that they found a guy. Let's see. Archibald Edward Solon, a child molester who victimized young boys in his neighborhood, became a person's entrance after hair samples found in his 1966 Pontiac Bonville match hair found on the bodies of King and Stephen, but the hair was not from Sloan himself. A witness claims to have seen King being abducted by two men, one described as being in his late 20s and the other described as as bearing a strong resemblance to serial killer John Wayne Gacy, who was allegedly in Michigan around the time of the killings. Gacy's DNA did not match DNA found on the victim's body. Huh. Police in Parma Heights, Ohio, arrested Tim Ted, a retired auto worker believed to have been involved in a child pornography ring in the 1970s. So basically, they, they don't have anybody. They still don't have anybody. Friends DNA test conducted in 2012 showed that hair found on the seat of Sloan's car and on the bodies of Stevens and King were a match and came from the same unknown man. The hair DNA does not match Sloan, but implicates someone he knew or linked his car to. In 2013, an anonymous informant reported a blue AMC gremlin buried in a farm field now being developed in Grand Blanc. Blanc. Police are investigating the gremlin for ties to the crime as King was last seen in the Blue Gremlin. In 2005, an unidentified man who would later emerge to become a common figure in the case had been referred to by the alias of Jeff was reminded of a relationship he had in 1977 with an acquaintance. In an interview given Oakland County investigators in 2010, Jeff informed them of a typical observation and actions while driving and conversing with the acquaintance 
such as taking him to buildings where satanic rituals were allegedly performed. The acquaintance navigated through lesser-known routes associated with the case with ease. The acquaintance often spoke of details written in Allen's letter. Jeff requested information about the Allen letter to help confirm his, his suspicion, but was denied. So there's a lot of ifs and buts and twists and turns and things like that. So in February 2019, the investigation discovery for the ID channel aired a two-part, four-hour documentary about the killing. At the same time, WXYZ TV investigative reporter Heather, Heather announced that a key suspect convicted child sex offender Arch Edward Solon had failed a polygraph test when he was interviewed by the Oakland County Child Killer Task Force in 2010 and 2012. Back in 2012, new DNA technology found that Sloan's car contained hair with the same profile as an evidence found on the victims. However, it is not Sloan's. So who is this mass random person that is unknown still? Like, who is this person? Who did he loan his car to? Who was in the car? Maybe he was in the car, but he didn't do it. Like, it's so many unanswered questions and not enough answers. And it's just like, who, what, where, when, and why and how, obviously. But um, thank you guys for tuning in to this crazy, I don't even know what to call this, this, in, this crazy cat and mouse chase. That's the best way, that's the best thing to call it. This crazy cat and mouse chase. Thank you for joining me. Come back next week to uncover another unknown serial killer. And like I always tell you guys, please be careful to people. Please be nice to them. And be careful who you encounter because you never know who they killed. See you guys next week, of course.